This morning, we are in part two of a series uh, that we are calling Unwrapped. And uh, this series is focusing around the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And our desire in this series is to discover and engage the Holy Spirit. Spirit, And we want to take a really simple approach, almost as though having a conversation about the Holy Spirit for the very first time. And for many of you, that is the case. Uh, you've never really processed conversation um, regarding the Holy Spirit. This morning, we are going to take our first step into a conversation about what are referred to as the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I just feel it's fair to warn you that when it comes to the drama and the tension and the controversy surrounding the conversation about the Holy Spirit, nothing causes more of the chaos than a conversation about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Even as I said, we're going to start to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Different ones of you sighed differently. You had different thoughts and different expressions as you contemplated potentially entering into some murky waters. Ah, this is some tense stuff. Because you get somebody who says, wait, 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 wait hang on a second. You, you believe in the gift of tongues? Uh devil worshiper and then you get somebody saying wait a minute you don't speak in tongues uh are you even saved bro and you can start to see why the are you even saved and devil worshiper have a difficult time worshiping in the same place wait a minute you believe in the gift of prophecy It makes sense if the Bible has been completed and we have the Word of God. What do we even need prophecy for? Y'all are crazy. Well, I have a word from the Lord for you right here, sister. Right? This is a tense area of conversation. You still believe that the gifts of healing are operable today? Have you not been paying attention to the advances in the medical world? What do we need gifts of healing when we have all of these medical advances? It is a volatile conversation that often leads us to these tense places of disagreement where we say, you know, the best thing is if you and your tongues go over there with the charismatic crazies and we will stay over here with our frozen freakiness and we just will start different denominations. But, oh, if you're really spiritual, what you do is you say, I'll tell you what. Um, let's just eliminate any conversation about the Holy Spirit and any conversation about his gifts. And then everybody can get along because we've discovered the source of the problem is actually the Holy Spirit and the gifts. So if we can just remove them from the conversation, we'll be good. And then the church decides, we're just not going to touch these hot topics. So anyway, we want to talk about the gifts of uh, the Holy Spirit. Uh, like we said last week, uh, one of the reasons we want to step into this series is because we as a church want to refuse to shy away from something that is biblical because it runs the risk of being controversial. 
It's in the Bible, and so we want to talk about it. And as we said last week, as much as we might hide behind the controversy, behind the conversation about the Holy Spirit, if we as a church only leaned into a fraction of the things that the Bible is clear about when it comes to the Holy Spirit, Forget everything controversial. If we just started to practice the things that are clear about the Holy Spirit, we would be catapulted into an entirely different spiritual orbit. And I don't know about you, but I want to be catapulted into those places that the Lord has for us. If we even took one step in the direction of the things that are clear about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we would find the church moving into these deeper and richer places. So we want to start a basic conversation about the gifts of the Holy Spirit this week, and we'll continue it next week. Now, I think I've really felt a little disappointed when I opened the Bible and found that we are not actually as original as we might think. Uh, all of this tension and all this drama and all of this controversy around the Holy Spirit, we are not the first to have it. We're not the first to duke it out. Uh, dating back as far as the first century, this was an area of contention in the church. In fact, if you have a copy of the scriptures, meet me in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to find that that church in the first century was dealing with tension and drama around the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we want to kind of eavesdrop on some of what the Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthians to give us a sense of what the scriptures have to say as we move forward into this conversation. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, we'll start at verse 1 and uh, we'll just pause to make observations as we walk through uh, the passage. Uh, verses will be up here on the screens, but let me just say, if you don't own um, a copy of the Bible, please allow us the privilege of getting one into your hands. We believe this is the living, breathing, active word of God. It will change your life. We'd love to get a physical copy into your hands. So please, end of the service, head to the connection corner outside those back doors, and um, one of the smiling faces will be glad to hand you a copy of the scriptures. Now, let me just give you fair warning. This morning is going to be a little bit on the teachy side of things as we lay a framework for this conversation moving forward. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 1. It says, Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, because it was an issue even then. I do not want you to be uninformed. About the gifts of the Holy Spirit, Paul says, I do not want you to be uninformed. I do not want you to be unaware. Because sometimes uh, the source of the controversy and the source of the tension is actually the fact that we are just unaware. Sometimes that's really what it comes down to. We just didn't know. Now, we knew what our churches believed growing up. We knew what our parents believed about some of these things. We knew what those people on TV did when it came to these things. We even knew what some of our own experiences were. But we just 
really didn't know. We didn't really know what the Bible had to say about it. In fact, that was my story. I had experiences with the gifts of the Holy Spirit long before I ever looked at what the Bible had to say about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And have you ever tried to have a conversation with somebody who says, but I experienced it, but I saw it? Paul is saying sometimes it's just we don't know. We are unaware. And contrary to popular opinion, what you don't know can hurt you. Uh, What you don't know can hamper you. What you don't know can hold you back. It can hurt you. I have a friend um, from Zambia. We came to school in the States around the same time. And uh, I came to college in Indiana. He went to college in Chicago. And um, and I can't even get through this story without chuckling. But he didn't know anybody. And so when he got to campus, uh, uh, just a group of good Samaritans took him in, uh, made him a part of their little clique. He had his people now. They embraced him as one of, of their own. Um, on one occasion, this new formed group of friends went shopping at the mall uh, somewhere. And I know, I've read people telling stories about this out of humor, but this is a true story. They went to the mall shopping, and one of the girls in the group was shopping for clothes. So she at one point went into the dressing room, and then she came out um, wearing a sweater and in some attempt to kind of garner a little bit of affirmation she said to her friends I don't know does this sweater make me look fat and my friend from Zambia said I don't think it's the sweater now (laughs) listen listen no listen listen I know you're sitting on the edge of your seats wondering how that situation turned out. Let me just put an end to the tension. Not good. (laughs) Did not end well. They are not married today. That is not how he met his kid's mother. That was not a good situation. He didn't know. And it hurt him. It hurt him. Listen, the crew in the cast of La La Land didn't know that they weren't supposed to bum rush the stage and start giving an acceptance speech for an award they hadn't won. They thought they had won the Oscar for Best Picture. They didn't know, and it was kind of humiliating. Listen, all I'm saying to you is can we please retire that tired phrase, what you don't know can't hurt you. It's not true. In fact, that's the story of many of us sitting in this room this morning. We are living so much less than all God holds out to us because we don't know. We are missing out on so much of everything that is deposited into our spiritual bank accounts because we don't know. We are being held back. We are being hampered because we didn't know. We didn't know that our families could be forces for change. We didn't know. We, we didn't know that, that the power of the Spirit at work in us is able to break every chain that holds and hinders us from moving forward. We didn't know. We didn't know that God has made a way and an escape route out of every single temptation you've ever experienced. We didn't know. 
When it comes to matters of the Bible and the truth of God, sometimes what we don't know holds us back from living fully. And Paul is saying to to the Corinthians, I don't want you to be unaware. I don't want you to didn't know when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so he starts to tell us some things that he believes are important for us to know. Very simple, very foundational basics about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse number two. He says, you know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And conversely, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So Paul drops some really deep theology on this situation right here. But here's the point I really want us to dial in on. As we start a conversation about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I think one of the first things Uh, that we ought to know, is if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are gifted. You are gifted. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you get a unique gift, an ability with which to mark and impact the world. And here's how Paul communicates that truth to anyone who might be wondering, does that apply to me? I mean, this conversation about spiritual gifts, do I have a spiritual gift? Here's how Paul communicates this truth, almost by asking the question, well, can you say Jesus is my Lord? Yeah. Then you're gifted. Because if you can say that, that is evidence that you have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit doesn't come empty-handed. He brings with him gifts. And we'll see that continue to play out as the passage unfolds. And his rationale here is, listen, no one can say Jesus is Lord apart from the Holy Spirit. Now, you can say God is good. That's one thing. You can even say Jesus lived. You may even go so far as to say Jesus died. You may even take it a step further and say Jesus rose from the dead. You may be able to say, I go to church. You may be even able to say, like the demons, I believe in God. But Paul is saying nobody says Jesus is Lord apart from the Holy Spirit. Because to say Jesus is Lord, is to say, I have signed over the exclusive rights of my life to Jesus. He's now in charge. He's now in control. He now calls the shots. I have voluntarily evacuated myself from the driver's seat, and Jesus says where I go, what I do, how I live, all my life belongs to him. And Paul is saying the only way you can say that sincerely is if the Spirit of God is in play. And that makes sense with sinful people. What would possess me to wake up one morning and say, I'm tired of doing me? 
just had enough of having my way and being in control and deciding where my life goes and just, you know, having a blast in it and making my own calls. I'm ready to hand over the reins of my life to someone else. No, that is evidence that the spirit of the living God has wrestled with your heart and he has won. And the chorus that's erupted is, Jesus, my life is yours. And Paul is saying, if you can say, my life is yours, then Jesus is good. My spirit is yours. So if you've sincerely said, Jesus is my Lord, then you have his spirit. And if you have his spirit, his spirit has gifted you. You are gifted by virtue of the fact that you have put your faith in Jesus, not just as your Savior, but as your Lord. So can you say, Jesus is my Lord? Because if you can, then the truth is, You are gifted. And I love this. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've been given a gift, a spiritual gift, the ability to make a heaven-sized dent in your world through the church. Paul says, I don't want you to be unaware. I don't want you to be unaware. When you got saved, you were gifted. You were given a gift. God did not run out on your spiritual birthday. God did not miss you. God did not overlook you. God did not forget you. He made sure by his spirit that you are gifted. You may not have a high sense of self. You may not walk around with a a swaggerish confidence, but you have a gift from the Spirit of God. You may not even yet know what it is, and I'm so excited to discover with some of us what those gifts might be. You may not know what it is. You may never have used it. Or maybe you've stumbled into it and had no idea what it was you were doing. Regardless, you have a gift. You are gifted. And church, I don't mean that the way your parents meant it when they lied to you and told you like you are so super gifted. No, I mean it the way God says it about every one of his kids that you are gifted. In fact, why don't you reach to the person next to you and tell them, hey, you're gifted. You're gifted. Maybe it's the first time they're hearing it. Maybe they didn't know. And uh, I hope somebody said that to you, especially if you're a believer in Jesus. You are gifted. All right, Paul carries on. Look at verse 4. And he says in this verse, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. When it comes to your spiritual gift, And again, if you're a believer, you have one. You may not know what it is, but it's true. Um, When it comes to your spiritual gift, Paul says, I don't want you to be unaware that you are gifted perfectly. You are gifted perfectly. Look again at verse 4. He says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. I love that. 
Every one of you gets a gift, but you don't get to decide what gift you get. That is far above your pay grade. The Holy Spirit decides what gift you get. It says it again later on in verse 11. Look at this. It says, all these, the gifts, are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he, the Spirit, distributes them to each one, no exception if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And he does this just as he determines. And all I'm saying is if the Spirit determines the gift you get, you better believe he got it right when he gave you the gift that you have. He didn't make any mistakes. You may not always get the gift that you desire, but you always get the gift that the Spirit determines. You get what you get, and you don't throw a fit, is the way it works. It was the Spirit's decision to give you the gift that you have, and he makes no mistakes. This is so good for those moments when I'm tempted to look down the row at that other believer and starts to wish that I had the gift that they had, because if I had that gift, boy, I would impact the world much more significantly than I am now. For those moments when I'm tempted to compare with other people, for those moments when I'm tempted to show up to my small group and in my mind play white elephant hoping that I can end the night walking away with that person's gift because, oh, how much more of a difference I would make. It is so good to be reminded if the Spirit decided he made no mistake on the gift that he chose to give you. Because the way we function, and maybe it's just me, I'm aware of the people in my world, particularly in the world in which I serve. I'm aware of the people who are so super gifted, and I realize the Spirit got it right with them, but with me, he didn't quite get it right. And if only I had the gifts that they had or had it to the degree, the degree they have, then I would have so much more impact on my world. And before long, I spend much more time wishing for their gift than working with mine. So good to be reminded that the Spirit made no mistakes. I am, um, I hate buying gifts. Um, I'm really terrible at gift buying. Um, I may know you well, and if I have to buy you a gift, I'm probably just going to opt for, you know, just like a, a gift card so you can buy your own gift um, and be happy with it. In fact, better yet, I'm more likely to give you a gift card to the tennis warehouse and hope you don't like it, so you re-gift it to me, and then I can use it, because I like the tennis warehouse. This is the gift-giving thing. That's not my love language. So I don't speak it well. I don't speak it fluently at all. Plus, on top of that, I just don't care that much about you. But, but here's the thing. My sister-in-law, um, she is the most outrageous gift giver, the most contemplative and considerate gift giver. She has been making the rest of the family look bad, you know, for 13 Christmases straight now. Um, she's a therapist. And so in her own therapeutic, disarming way, she will even explain to you why she got you the gift that she got you. And it's just this unbelievable process. She goes, through, like, who has time for that? But she does, apparently. Well, I knew that when you were a baby... The color blue soothed you so much. And um, 
I noticed the last few times I've seen you, you had holes in your pants. I'm like, that's a style, you know, and um, I've noticed you've put on a few, and uh, your breath be stank. So, that's why I bought you this brand new pair of extra large Levi's, blue in color with a stretchy material, no holes in them, and I've stuffed every pocket with chewing gum, you know, and all of a sudden you're like, why am I crying? Why the jeans mean so much to me? I feel like she knows me. She, I'm never wearing these. They mean too much. Um, but I'm just asking you, if anybody could pick what gift you got, who better than the one who not only thought you, but formed you in your mother's womb? Who better than the one who designed every fabric and knows every fiber of your being? Who better than the one who has a script of your life memorized and knows everything that has been designed and destined for you? Who better than the Holy Spirit to determine what gift you get? I wonder if Paul wants us to know you've been gifted, but you've not just been gifted. You've been gifted perfectly. He has considered you and considered what he's designed you for and where he's destined you to go. And he's given you just the perfect gift for that. Man, that has the way of putting an end to our comparison deficit disorder. That has a way of calling us out of this place of waiting. Because many of us are waiting to live. And oftentimes we're waiting until that time when I finally stumble on that thing or that job or that ability or whatever it is. It is so good to hear from Paul. You've already been perfectly outfitted to have impact in the world around you. So A, stop comparing yourself to other people and B, get to work. And I look forward, again, as we continue to process through um, this series, for some of us to maybe discover what is that perfect gift that the Spirit has handpicked and handed to me. You've been gifted perfectly. Perfectly. And then Paul gives us a another basic truth um, that he wants us to know. You are gifted. You are gifted perfectly. And you are gifted differently. You are gifted differently. Um, I read this uh, section of scripture just a number of times and I just continued to marvel over it. And it's um, such a great reminder. Like, the Holy Spirit isn't boring like you. Um, he doesn't like everything to be the same. Uh, he's not into everything being matchy-matchy to look like each other. The Holy Spirit was never interested in creating the cookie-cutter church of Christ, where everybody looks the same because the same is safe. This section of Scripture 
is going to tell us here in a second, God loves variety. And so he gifted us differently. Look at 1 Corinthians 12 verse 4 again. It says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. Verse 5, there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Different, but same. One God, yet he gives different kinds of gifts on purpose. And I wonder if Paul isn't saying, I want you to know, different was never intended to divide. Because the church's favorite response to difference is division. You do things differently. I don't do different. So how about you keep your distance? Or you all serve unusually. Unusual makes me uncomfortable, which makes you unwelcome. The way you all work in your church is so aggressive. Aggressive makes me anxious, and so I'm going to another church. Difference has a way of stirring in us such discomfort that it causes us to divide. It causes us to become suspicious. It causes us to stand at a distance from each other. And I wonder if Paul isn't in this passage assuring us different was not intended to divide. In fact, the opposite is true. The different gifts are designed to show off the brilliance and the beauty of the one God who works in all of the different gifts. That's just had my mind running as I read and reread that. Because far too often we'll say, well, I thought um, you, your, your, your different gift meant you had a different God. That we can't possibly worship and serve the same one God because of look how different we are. And that's Paul's whole point. Look how different we are. And yet in all of these differences, one God working for his own purpose. And doesn't that make sense when the very heart and the very nature of our God is difference and yet oneness? That's the Trinity. We are three different persons working as one, and yet we are different. It should make sense that the church would be multicolored and not monochromatic with gifts that are dispersed in different tones and shades and colors all for the purpose of pointing back to the one God. Some of us have called people different, and we've even gone so far as to call them devil worshipers, when the whole time God is saying, I'm working in that different gift. 
And it, it made me cringe because I thought, oh, Lord, what have I said about you? If you're at work in some of these different gifts that I've completely discarded. But we'll come back to that next week. The same is safe to us, but it is boring to God. I love the picture of heaven that John gets to see in this future glimpse, this Polaroid that the Spirit allows him to witness in the book of Revelation. And he says, I saw this massive crowd. What did you notice about the crowd? It was people, different colors and different races and different backgrounds and different languages, and different ethnicities, all gathered and singing and speaking with one voice. God has always loved difference brought into oneness. Diversity brought into unity. Distinction brought into togetherness. This should be no surprise. And by the way, I don't know why I'm getting so carried away about this. It should be no surprise to us that the enemy wants to do the opposite with difference. To divide with difference. To get us to pull in opposite directions when God is saying, no, 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 I'm trying to paint a beautiful picture through difference brought in one. I want to astonish the world as they try and figure out how do these people with all of their different wirings and all of their different giftings come together and somehow make one noise. All right, where was I? Um, different actually shows more of the power of a God whose very nature is unity out of diversity. Man, the damage we do because different scares us. Can we be the church that celebrates different? Unless it's unbiblical. Then there's a different word for that. Paul says, I don't want you to be unaware that you are gifted, and you are gifted perfectly, but you're gifted differently. Celebrate that. Let's look at one more basic thing Paul tells us before we wrap. Verse 7. Now to each one, and I love that, I love that. Don't miss some of these beautiful phrases. To each one. For whenever you're tempted to exempt yourself, each one, whenever you're tempted to think maybe this doesn't apply, each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. You are gifted to give. You are gifted to give. And Paul says, I don't want you to be unaware of that. I want you to know that your gift is actually not even about you. Your gift was given to you so that you would play a part in helping the church. So that you would play a part in helping the people around you. This gift was given for the common good. So you could help other people. See more of Jesus and be more like him. When the Spirit of God gave us these abilities, it wasn't about our abilities. It was about our ability to help the people around us move a little further towards Christ, a little further towards 
Christ's likeness, when he picked out that perfect gift, it wasn't ultimately about me. It was ultimately about me pushing others into deeper and richer places of life in Christ. And this whole time, I thought my gift was about me. I didn't know. Paul says, I don't want you to be unaware. He didn't give me this gift, you know, so you'd look good driving. He gave you this gift so you could help drive people to where they needed to go. There was a purpose to it, and it wasn't primarily about you. It's not about how you look working your gift. Like, oh, man, you work that gift so well. And that's great. But the question is, is my gift helping the people around me? And I wonder if, if we haven't. I know I haven't. Maybe this is just confessions of rediscovery for me. Um, I know that I've, I've looked at my spiritual gift so often through the lens of what it does for me. Not what it does for others. That's why I'm often so disappointed. That's why on occasion I start to wish, man, it would have been so great if you had given me that gift. Why? Because that gift would have looked great on me. Holy Spirit, did you even consider Instagram when you gave me this gift? Did you even think about how many likes I would get on Facebook for that gift? No, this gift doesn't really do anything to prop me up and to propel me and, and make... I, I end up being so disappointed because I'm viewing my gift through the lens of what it does for me. And Paul says, no, 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 no. You've been gifted to give in church. That will revolutionize the way you think about your gifts once you start to, to consider it from a biblical perspective. Because if you view your gift in light of your dreams and what you would like your life to be and end up, yeah, you're probably going to be disappointed on occasion. But if you start to view your gift as a means by which the Holy Spirit wants to help you bring his dreams to life in the world, then all of a sudden you might start to realize my gift makes so much more sense. It isn't about... Me, it's about how I can serve the people around me. And we're going to start to talk about this in the coming weeks, by the way, because oftentimes people say, man, I really want to know what my gift is. I really want to know what my gift is. Okay, well, hey, let's just start serving. I don't want to serve. I want to know what my gift is. Well, the gift is for serving other people. So if you have no interest in serving other people, but you're going to the Spirit and say, would you please tell me what my gift is? Oh, please. He's saying, I'm just going to send you back to serve people with it. And I think there's something so significant that happens when we start to realize this thing isn't even about me. And so all of a sudden, I'm not going to be looking at you and saying, well, does that gift belong? Or does that gift, or does that gift make me uncomfortable? I want to know, does that gift help other people soar towards Jesus? Because the thing we're going to start to see is the Bible doesn't even give us all the gifts that they are. It's not exhaustive. But when that becomes the framework through which I view my own gifts and I start to interact with the gifts of Others, I think we start to see something beautiful happen in the church as we work together towards propelling each other 
into more of Jesus Christ. If I'm not using my gifts to serve people, I'm abusing my spiritual gift. I've heard a lot of people talk about the abuse of the gifts. And usually when they talk about that, that's not what they mean. They never say abuse of the gifts about the people who are sitting in the church and letting other people use their gifts to serve them while they take their gifts and go home and even evaluate how well the people who are serving them served them. I think we ought to talk about the abuse of gifts unused to serve other people. Because that's what the gift is for. It's given to give. If I'm not giving it away, then I am misusing it. And can I just pause and say, um, I am so thankful for this church. I'm so thankful for how rich this church is because there is a movement of you people who just get that. In fact, even as we sit in this room, there is a wave of volunteers in the kids' wing. Doing God's work, if you ask me. Um, using their gifts to serve. And the church is richer because of it. Um, when we were wrapping up the first service, it started pouring. And even as it started pouring, I saw some of our volunteers exit the building. And I knew where they were going, to the parking lot, to help you find your spot in the rain. Using their gifts to serve. This church is so much richer, so much fuller, so much more beautiful because of those of you who serve. Can I just pause and say thank you to you folks. Thank you to the volunteers who continue to serve. And can I also say thank you to those of you who serve organically in ways I don't know. But you are using your gifts to help the people in the world around you. That is a beautiful thing. And I think Paul would want you to know you are having more impact than you may even realize there is a team that is forming, uh, a team that in essence is saying we want to figure out how we can better serve our people. And we want to take things off the plate of the staff. And we just want to do as much as we can to care for the folks around us. And so they've started to form. I can't tell you much about them yet because they're still like a secret society. I don't know the handshake yet. But I'm sure that's going to become more apparent. And it's just beautiful to watch people step in and step up and serve and I can only imagine as these different people with their different gifts start to serve together, something in the world starts to shift and people start to look at the church in more compelling ways because these different people are working together to serve each other and the trickle effect, serving the county, serving the city around them. It's an amazing thing. Okay. Next week, um, we are going to start to talk about what I'm sure some of you have been wondering for the entirety of this message. Well, okay, what are these gifts, though? Like, what are they? Um, and so we're going to start looking at what some of these gifts are. And if you read through the rest of this passage, I would encourage you to do that, by the way. You're going to start to get a sense of some of the things Paul lists. And he lists things like tongues and things like prophecy. And we want to ask, are these gifts operable? Might it be that I have this gift and I've not dialed into it? Might it be that I thought I had the gift and I've been using it, but it's, it's, we want to talk about all of that. Because how amazing would it be if all of us who've been gifted understand the way we've been perfectly gifted and differently gifted and we start to give our gifts away? The church grows and builds itself up in love as its people discover their gifts and do their work. And so, Spirit of the living God, thank you for gifting us. Thank you um, for wrestling our hearts 
and causing us to be willing to say Jesus is Lord. And now we pray, Lord, even for those in different places in the journey, that you would um, bring light to the ways in which you've gifted us. And, and that you would bring us back to your word as the script that ultimately dictates what these gifts are and how these gifts are ultimately to be used. Please use your church to make much of Jesus in each other's lives and in the world around us. And I beg you, please help us not to be divided. Help us to be a united church that screams Jesus even as we work together and wrestle through the difficulty with God at work in all. So we commit ourselves to you in Jesus' great name. Amen.